Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Welcome in Michael Calhoun from KMOX, Travis Sheridan of the Venture Cafe Global Institute, and this is our weekly local innovation conversation. It's where we talk about what's happening now, what's happening next, and what you should be paying attention to as it relates to innovation in the region. And so first off, we're going to take you to the Page area in St. Louis County, where we'll bring you into Medici Marketplace and Medici Media Space. It's a collection of, it's like a co-working space for creative professionals and getting them all under the same roof so they can work together and share uh, resources. And find jobs. And so we'll go to Medici and then we'll talk about Launch Code. Speaking of finding jobs, yeah, we're going to hear from uh, four recent graduates of the Launch Code programs, Launch Code 101 and Coder Girl, as well as uh, somebody that's behind their training programs and what it really looks like as they're building this out. I'm always interested, especially with Launch Code, what did people do before? What was their first career? And then they decided, I'm yeah. going to switch it up. Life before Launch Code. And get into technology. So we'll find out. We'll talk with a group of... Uh, of newly minted coders and find out also what's new with launch code. So that's all coming up on this hour of Nothing Impossible. So stick around. We'll be right back. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome back. Michael and Travis with you on KMOX as we talk about local tech and innovation as we do every week here on Nothing Impossible. It's uh, it's it's a nice day to talk about innovation because there's been like some heavy stuff in the news. Some of the political stuff has been heavy this last week. And so let's look at things that are a little bit more optimistic. And let's take a look a little bit closer to home, something happening here in St. Louis. It's called Medici Marketplace. And joining us is managing partner Brett Klein, joining us via Skype. Thank you for calling in. Hey, thank you for having me. So first off, just give us the concept. What is Medici Marketplace? Well, I'll have to go back a little bit and, and first talk about uh, Medici Media Space. Uh, Medici Media Space is a co-working community uh, just up uh, 170 in Page. And it was founded about a year and a half ago by, uh, by two gentlemen, Josh Levy and Brian Lunt. And the inspiration behind the media space uh, was really to create a media hub here in St. Louis. So all things um, media from photography studios to green screen rooms, um, music, mixing soundboards, uh, production, uh, uh, bigger format studios, really to have that all under one roof. And then what, what happened over time is that became a gravitational pull for marketing and uh, marketing companies, marketing services companies that needed to, to utilize the, the media capabilities that were there. And then uh, even more so over time, uh, became a, uh, a very diverse um, uh, community filled with lots of different industries from financial services advisors to uh, legal to uh, professional coaches, you name it. And they were also pulled to uh, these media capabilities that uh, Medici Media Space offered. And uh, so out of the media space uh, came uh, Medici Marketplace. Uh, I joined the, the co-working community back in March of last year. 
And it was really a way, um, at, at the time I had just started my consulting practice and it was a way for me to really scale and, uh, figure out, uh, through the, the members of the community, how I could execute the work that I needed to get done on behalf of the clients that I was working with. And I was number 45 in terms of the uh, member base. Fast forward to August and uh, the media space had just passed the 100 member mark, hmm. uh, which is actually pretty phenomenal growth. And uh, myself and Josh Levy and Brian Lunt were looking back into the community and we saw that roughly 30% of all the members fell into marketing and media in some form or fashion. And so that was the uh, that was the start of the marketplace. It's like all the talent of the agency without the overhead. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. We are a cooperative marketing and media services company. Uh, it is a B two B ecosystem of some amazing talent and expertise. And to your point, uh, we don't have, you know, what I found working on the buyer side or the brand side for for you know over twenty years is that agencies tend to have a lane. You know, they have a set of expertise. And then what they can't do, um, they outsource to freelancers or solopreneurs they bring into the to the mix. And we don't have to do that. We can, we're agile, we can scale, and uh, we can um, morph and fit to, to ultimately what the client needs. And we can say that we have all of the expertise and the disciplines under one roof. Well, what's interesting about this model is, I, and I worked for a couple of ad agencies back in California, and I remember, I think my, they were billing me out at about 250 or $300 an hour. I wasn't getting right. that, mind you, but they were billing me out. And that the reason they had to bill me out at that rate, though, was because they had to cover all the people that weren't necessarily on projects at the time, right? Uh, right. And what I love about your model uh, at the Medici Marketplace is you can assemble the right team for the right project at the right time. Uh, and then disband that team. Uh, and it's it's putting, I think it's better talent assemblage for the end goal and for the client. That's exactly right. Spot on. You know, there's also the, the this idea that no one company alone, you know, if there's a, a great digital marketer that tends to focus on web development, uh, they may have some SEO capabilities or AdWord management, but they may not dabble in social engagement. Um, they may not really focus on brand strategy so what they can do is they can focus on what they do best and they can delegate the rest and they can bring in other companies that will complement the services that they, um, they ultimately provide and offer. And then we can together, you know, this kind of abundance mindset, we can go and we can potentially work with clients that are of larger scope, larger budget, and uh, where they wouldn't be able to do that themselves, they now have partnerships and fulfillment partners that they can partner and collaborate with to go and demand uh, um, you know, different level of fees and different level of engagements with larger companies. Brett, what's changed for the, uh, I think the term you used was solopreneur, you, what was it, Travis? Solopreneurs. Solopreneurs, yeah. yeah. What's changed, I mean, the rise of co-working spaces so that people yeah. aren't working from a home office or going to a, a coffee shop. Uh, even the rise of Starbucks in the last decade, though, has helped solopreneurs as well. But the rise right. of co-working spaces and then opportunities like this, but also has an attitude changed in terms of companies who are more willing to consider solopreneurs. My my own personal story is as I was starting my, my own company, uh, I, I was working out of my basement, my kitchen, you know, lots of different places around my house, and I started to become pretty isolated. And, you know, after 20 years of working in big company life and 
going into an office and being around other people, I think inherently people just want to be uh, part of a community and they want to have a place that they can work around other people and be social. Um, I just think that's innate. And so this idea that, you know, great talent have an opportunity to come and be part of a community, uh, socialize and collaborate with other com great companies. I, I believe that fosters um, uh, you know, business development and the growth of their companies. You know, in some of the, in some cases, these become incubators in their own right, where you know you're other, you're around other types of companies and in other industries, and they may see the value that you you could potentially bring to their company and their organization. Um, and then the other is. You know, the rise of the solopreneur is um, you, you have lots of, um, I think, lots of capabilities in a platform to merchandise uh, your capabilities and your expertise in a, in, a, in a way that you could never do in the past. Um, you know, whether it's being part of a co-working space and having a seat at the table and raising your hand and wanting to be part of projects or um, having platforms that you could go out and to market yourself in a very targeted uh, and effective and most importantly an efficient way because as we know many freelancers and solopreneurs don't have big budgets of their own uh, <laughs> to market themselves so they have to be very smart and efficient in how they do that and there, there are all kinds of channels as we know uh, to be able to amplify who you are and what you do well Brett we, we're coming off of a uh, you know a period of time when Mad Men was on all of our screens and we were enjoying uh, yeah. reminiscing of the good old days of Madison Avenue and, and the admin uh, of the of the mid-century that we uh, and really those times have changed uh, you know old agencies if you were part of an account and maybe you were on the Kodak account uh, and you were there for yep. the carousel pi carousel pitch uh, if that client went away your job could go away too right like right there were some people that were dependent on a certain account how how is this marketplace the medici marketplace disrupting the traditional advertising agency world great question i i i believe you know you you know you have a couple of big accounts but you don't have that safety net underneath um, to manage that volatility if it happens uh, i've seen that uh, in lots of different business settings but um, I think what Medici has has done, and I've kind of at the at the at the forefront here as the the leader of what we're doing with this ecosystem, this platform, um, is to meet the meet the clients where they are. And I think that's really important: is that we're not going in with a one size fits all solution. We're not going in with a methodology that's already predetermined. Uh, I think you said it earlier: is that we figure out what the client needs are, and then we organize a, a group of companies, in this case, people and freelancers, to go and, and, and get the work done. Um, it's roll up your sleeves. It's getting into the trenches. And in many cases, the client feels like you're sitting on their side of the table, is that you're actually in and part of their team. And so that relationship is is started, and it's and it's fostered um, early on in the in the in the engagement. So, you know, the the big the big accounts like the Kodaks of the world, um, I think we're operating in a much different space with smaller, mid-sized companies that really value the expertise and the work that we do, the approach that we take, um, and it's highly personalized. And again, we. We are we are part of their team. We're not a we're not a provider just providing services in a transactional way. We're really focused on the relationship. 
Brett Klein, managing partner, Medici Marketplace. And let's maybe get into the media space. What is it beyond a, a co-working space and people at desks? What access uh, to equipment and facilities do people have there? And in terms of the marketplace, what kind of disciplines in the marketing field are represented? So to start on the media space, it's really everything you, you could possibly need. As I, I mentioned earlier, there's a photography studio. We have many photographers that uh, utilize that space. They are members of the community, and uh, they can reserve that for their clients. Uh, we have a green screen room, which is kind of fun to play with. Um, we've got all kinds of, of sound mixing rooms for um, artists that come through there that want to have um, some of their music produced. Uh, we have podcast studios, we've got videographers, you name it. I mean, it, it's really everything under one roof. And so if you're looking for anything from a media perspective, you know, I would encourage you to, to look up the media space. And more than anything, if, if you want to be part of a community where you have access to these capabilities uh, in a membership format, you, you, know, you can sign up to be a member and then have the ability to use those services as part of the membership. Um, so that's really cool. Um, in terms of the services that are part of the marketplace, we really start at the kind of the forefront, which is strategy. And the couple of disciplines that are represented under that brand obviously is 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 critical. Um, uh, company positioning, buyer personas and uh, needs benefits analysis and uh, value proposition, all that stuff is extremely important. Really understanding uh, the why, the how and the what, really the, the Simon Senate Golden Circle. Uh, we've got PR strategy, integrated PR, sales enablement. Um, getting into creative uh, services, we've got graphic design, copywriters. Uh, we even get into the animation work if you need that done. Um, and then into digital marketing, which is probably the most exten extensive suite of services that we have. Anywhere from um, uh, website development to um, SEO, AdWord management, uh, social engagement, uh, there's a, there's a whole host of services we provide, and it's a pretty pretty deep in terms of the fulfillment partners that we have, and then into the media category, which cover all of those things that I just mentioned that make up the media space, which is the videographers and the photographers and the um, you know the, the sound mixing and podcast production, all that stuff is part of the media services. Wonderful. Well, if uh, if St. Louis native John Hamm made people fall in love with the advertising world through Mad Men uh, in a fictional space, uh, Brett Klein and the team at Medici Marketplace will make you fall in love with uh, you know some of the new innovations that are happening uh, through bringing the right people together for the right time, for the right project, uh, hopefully for the right results. So, Brett, thank you so much for joining us. You need a Netflix, you. Netflix deal, thank Brett. You. Yeah, Netflix deal <laughs> next. <laughs> yeah, hey, I like the way that sounded. I might have to... I like uh, I, I like the way you close that out. That was uh, that was that was spot on. <laughs> well, Brett Brett Klein, managing partner, Medici Marketplace. Thank you for joining us on KMOX. Thank you for having us on. I appreciate it. And we'll have more. Nothing impossible. We'll talk about launch code after this. Now back to nothing impossible on KMOX. Welcome back, Michael Calhoun from KMOX and Travis Sheridan from the Venture Cafe Global Institute on KMOX as we continue with our local innovation conversation. And we are talking today, right now, about coding and people getting new skill sets. And so we have some guests from the Launch Code, some recent graduates. Yeah, we've got a Skype call going on from Studio C here at KMOX over to the Launch Code Center 
on Del Mar, and I'll I'll just open it up and say, uh, guys, go around and introduce yourselves. You guys are all Launch Code and Coder Girl students, right? Oh, that's right. Um, my name is Amy Butts, and I actually did the winter cohort with Coder Girl. I did the web web dev track. Um, my name is Jacob Francois. I just finished uh, LC one hundred one and the uh, Java track. I'm Andy Hemmersmeyer. I did the winter uh, cohort of uh, Coder Girl for user experience and the summer cohort for web development. And I'm Nora Harris. I just finished Launch Code 101, uh, learning Java and Python, among other things. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, so my first question, to, and anybody could take this, uh, what were you doing before Launch Code? Hi, so this is Andy. Um, I was a school psychologist uh, and going on maternity leave last year when my brother-in-law, who's a software developer, actually contacted me with this opportunity and suggested it might be a good way to spend my time on maternity leave. <laughs> so we actually had a little discussion about that first, um, but it actually looked really interesting. And so I started the user experience track, uh, really tied in with my psych background and kind of ran with it from there. So I was going to say, when you said a psych background and then you got into user experience, there's got to be a correlation there where you use some of the concepts from career one to figure out the best way to lay out career two. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of correlation there. Um, my observation and interview skills, I can use some of my counseling background, uh, working with clients. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of tie-ins there. Somebody else, I'd love to hear another pre-launch code story. Yeah, so this is Jacob. Uh, so uh, for me, I'm actually coming out of, uh, I've been a sculptor and working in academia. I teach uh, 3D design, and um, I, I've been a member of the Arch Reactor Makerspace here in St. Louis, and I knew other people that had gone through curriculum at launch code and kind of had some positive results and um being an adjunct professor is like kind of tough and mm -hmm. the market's not really good right now so it actually panned out perfect for me so what is it uh what was it about the launch code curriculum that was most appealing to you that said this is the time i'm going to jump in and actually try this and again this is for anybody any of the four of you so this is nora i I was the director of analysis for a for Make-A-Wish, a, a nonprofit, and um, I wanted to step back when I was leaving that organization and really dig deeper into what skills I liked and what I wanted to pursue. And the curriculum with Launch Code 101, learning several different languages, getting lots of support from mentors and your peers as well, while you're learning through it all was a really great fit to dig deeper and understand more about you know, tech and coding. Who else? Who wants to share their story? Um, this is Amy. And um, kind of answering both of your questions, uh, I first heard about the Coder Girl program um, through a, a cousin who had actually been participating. And um, my background is I went to college for environmental studies and English. And I spent the first several years of my career in the not-for-profit world doing environmental advocacy. Uh, but then I had kids, and so for seven years, I was a stay-at-home mom, but I knew I was eventually going to have to enter the workforce again, and uh, didn't know, my prospects, my my financial prospects just didn't seem all that uh, 
promising, uh, just considering my background and the way the economy is. Um, so when I heard about Coder Girl from my cousin, and she explained to me that it was a very supportive communal program aimed specifically at women that completely understood that a lot of women are caregivers or they have full-time jobs. So it was a really flexible schedule that fit my life uh, at the time, being the primary caregiver to my kids um, and having a part-time job on top of that. Um, so just the opportunity seemed fantastic. And, and through participating in Coder Girl, uh, she went on to get a job at Monsanto, a very uh, well compensated job. And I was, my jaw dropped when she told me this, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how do I get in on this? So that was, um, that was my motivation. I, I had learned a little bit of coding in high school. So I knew that I had an affinity for it, but I had never considered pursuing it professionally until I heard her story and thought that it could also be my story. I do think it's really odd that, uh, you know, our educational system is set up to ask a young person, generally around the age of 19 or 20, to declare at that young age what they're going to do for the rest of their life, right? To declare a major and move through that pathway. Uh, look, if, if you're looking at hindsight, is there any of you that would have thought, maybe I should have started with coding in the first place? Or are you able to apply, maybe through the school psychology side of things, are you able to apply your current, your previous learning to this new pathway through uh, technology and coding? So that's interesting. This is Andy. Um, I definitely, like I said before, have been able to apply a lot of my psychology background. Um, in high school, I took a psych class, and that's how I decided my major would be psychology in college. It's just because that's what I liked, and I had a good experience, and so I went that direction. And then I came to the end of my undergrad with a psych and English, psych and English degrees. I kind of just didn't really know what to do with that outside of, I mean, get a general like HR job or something. I, I didn't really know what that looked like. So I decided to pursue grad school. Um, but it's, it, it is really interesting that we ask kids that young to do make big life decisions. Like, what are you going to be when you grow up? But I think the meandering path that I've taken to get where I am was all worth it. So. And Andy, we've even heard lately about, for instance, how psychology plays into Facebook and the news feed and keeping you on that app for hours scrolling the, the and addictive nature looking of for yeah. updates, yeah, liking things and getting into, I mean, did that part of the user experience specifically, that track, was that something that appealed to you? How to get um, people to click on that button? The, uh, the addictive make... stuff, but um, <laughs> the, the psychology behind, like, why do you want to interact with a website and what will keep you coming back? and um, especially with my school psych background, I'm really interested in advocacy for people with disabilities and how can we make things more accessible to all people through um, technology. Yeah. So one of the things, so we talked a little bit about your pre-launch code world. Uh, we'd love to know what's next. How are you going to use these newfound skills, newly developed skills? Let's not call them newfound. They're truly, I'm sure you all worked really hard to develop these skills. What's next for uh, for some of you? Uh, this is Amy. Um, I'm actually in at the beginning of the third month of an apprenticeship. So through Launch Code's apprenticeship program, I got matched up with Charter Spectrum. Um, so I still had to be interviewed and go through the whole hiring process, but I was able to successfully um, land my apprenticeship there. So I've been working for the last two months as a React developer, um, working on internal um, 
applications for the customer service department at Charter Spectrum and really, really hoping that that turns into a permanent position. But either way, it's fantastic experience to put on my resume. And others, what's a post-launch code mean for you? This is Andy. So one of the greatest things I think about Launch Code and Coder Girl is that community that uh, Amy talked about. Um, so my mentors were able to hook me up with a connection, and I interviewed and successfully got a job uh, at Slalom Consulting. So I'm going to be joining their experience design team actually starting next week. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, if I remember correctly, uh, Crystal Martin, former director of Coder Girl, is at Slalom now as well. So you'll have a like an, an internal Coder Girl at your side there. She is. She's my, I call her my career fairy godmother. <laughs> <laughs> She's a good one to have. How, she is great. I wonder how tough it is when you're going from a, a career like a sculptor or you work for a not-for-profit to, and I'm not going to say how uh, how I fared in college algebra, but I know that coding is not the easiest thing to learn. And so, especially starting from scratch, what was that like and, and how difficult was it or what maybe what advice do you have for people who are thinking, maybe I might want to get into programming, but I hear it's pretty tough. Well, this is Jacob. Um, so I found that coming out of sculpture and the arts and going into coding was a lot more related than you might imagine. Interesting. And a lot of the problem solving that I was doing on a daily basis, you know, whether it be like managing kind of like the small business of working in sculpture or just kind of like I mean, I could really get into the details, but um, essentially it's it's a lot of the same skills and people would ask me stuff like, well, is it really math heavy and that kind of thing? And it, it really wasn't. It was kind of the same logic I was using in a lot of other places. So I, I would say just kind of diving in and trying it, you might be really surprised how much potential you have in it. Anybody else, the, uh, the process of, of learning this and, and how you had to maybe shift your brain? Yeah, this is Nora. Um, it definitely resonates with me that kind of uh, pulling yourself out of it because you don't think you're great at math or something. Um, you know, I, organization and putting so, solving logic puzzles have always been small hobbies of mine, but you never think like, oh, that could make a job because I'm not a math genius. Um, it wasn't until really someone pushing me and getting into this and realizing like, it's actually not that hard. You're just solving one problem at a time. You're figuring it out. You're piecing things together. You're not, you know, some like person sitting behind a computer coding for your entire life. You're working with other people. You're, you have mentors the whole way through, even in the real world. That's what it's like. So it's much more um, of a community and a collaborative space than people might think. Any other thoughts from anybody on launch code or especially coder girl? What's what's the value that you found of of being in this group of women learning these new skills and and preparing for this new career? This is so coder girl has been great. I started uh, last January, like I said, uh, my youngest daughter at that time was actually four weeks old. Coder girl is great though because it's once a week. It's two hours at night. Um, I'm lucky to have a really supportive family um, who was able to help my husband cover uh, for having two young ones at home um, <laughs> while I was absent on Wednesday nights. Um, but just being able to spend that time and they recognize, like Amy had said, that women outside of 
pursuing their career dreams often are caregivers or maybe they have other things going on in their lives. So Coder Girl really provided that opportunity to learn new skills um, in a way that matched with my current life style and what I was doing. Um, I would also say that one of the cool things about Coder Girl is that the curriculum is primarily driven by volunteer mentors who are all working as professional developers right now. So one of the things that I found really invaluable was sort of the side conversations that I had with them about like, what is it really like to be a developer? What is it really like to work in tech? What is it really like to be a woman in tech? Um, yeah, just the, the supportive environment where not only were we helping each other and struggling together, and, and it's good to struggle with someone else because then you feel uh, less alone or less stupid because you, you can just wrestle with these things together and then also doing it with, with other people, um, other men and women who've already gone through the struggle and have jobs and, and can um, share their experience and their wisdom with you um, from the place where you're trying to get. So, Well, great. Well, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, please. Oh, sorry, this is Nora. I yeah. just heard so many wonderful things about Coder Girl that, you know, I, I'm just graduating from LC 101 and I actually start a Coder Girl cohort next week <laughs> doing the user experience track that um, Andy did as well. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations to all four of you uh, on taking this big risk, learning something new, and being able to apply that in new and exciting ways. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank all of you, Andy, Jacob, Nora, and Amy. And coming up next on Nothing Impossible, we'll continue the Launch Code conversation, talk with an official from the organization about how things are going, what the new offerings are, maybe some classes that are coming up. If now you feel the motivation to give them a call and sign up. So we'll talk about that, that up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. All right, we're going to continue the conversation about Launch Code. We have Mike Minion uh, joining us via Skype. He is the Director of Training Programs at Launch Code. Mike, we had a chance to hear from uh, four graduates, some from the Launch Code 101 and some from Coder Girl, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, what's new in the program? What's new with Launch Code? Right, right. You know, we've got a couple of things coming up, a couple of things that are still under wraps, very, very exciting things that, you know, I can't quite talk about yet. Um, but, you know, some of the things that we are working on, you know, we're, um, there's a lot of opportunity out there and we're, we're working really closely with companies to try and identify new needs that we haven't, haven't served in the past, but we think our people could be great for so how do you describe, Mike, the different offerings that Launch Code has? There's the, we've heard about LC101, CS50X, Coder Girl, and then the difference between people who have no coding experience and take a class versus those who've done this before, but you know maybe they don't have the, uh, the resume for the job or what have you, so they do these apprenticeships. Give us the array of the different options that Launch Code has now. Right. You know, I mean, the big thing is we just try and be as inclusive as we can to everybody. You know, we know that there are going to be some people out there who just go online, they take a couple classes, they work really hard, and, you know, they can get the skills that they need. We know that there are other people out there that work better in a classroom setting. So, you know, coming into LC 101, where we can give you a structured curriculum exactly tailored to what our employers are looking for, and we can validate you along every step of the way and give you the support that you need. So we can have mentors from the industry there helping you. Um, we can have an instructor there and give you the support. And then we've got Coder Girl, which is great as well, because it's, you know, it's a women-focused community where people can come together and form 
um, form relationships and help, you know, provide each other support. Mike, what is the current workforce need in the region? I mean, how many how many of these jobs exist out there for for people that are going unfilled right now? You know, I the numbers, the exact number escapes me, but there, there's definitely no shortage of jobs, and we keep we keep seeing more and more jobs and and stuff that we would we would not not typically expect, but. We know that our people can can step into. And it seems like every company now, whether you realize it or not, is a tech company in a way. <laughs> Panera, their stock price has been going up, and they've been getting, uh, well, not anymore because they've been taken private. But prior to that, they, <laughs> they had a great run and a lot of praise uh, for their you know Panera 2.0 with the app and the delivery and Anheuser-Busch with self-driving cars and trucks. And uh, technology really is all over the place, even if you're making sandwiches and beer. And so there are so many of these jobs that people probably don't even realize they could go work for their favorite company in technology. Right. And, you know, there's um, St. Louis is developing some really great core competencies and some specific technologies. For example, um, geospatial. You know, Boundless just recently moved to St. Louis. Boundless has been an amazing supporter of LaunchCode, um, an amazing partner of LaunchCode. Um, we have the National Geospatial Agency here in St. Louis, and they need developers as well. You know, they need developers. They need people who love maps and who can work with the massive amount of data that they're they're getting um, through their their operations. And so, you know, LaunchCode wants to work really closely with both those organizations to help grow the geospatial community here in St. Louis. Oh, from cartographers to coders now. Maps uh, used to be about uh, drawing lines, and now it's lines of code. Uh, Mike, as you're as you're continuing to see. Uh, launch codes programming uh, grow. Can you give us an idea of the demographic? Who who's walking through your door looking for support? Right. So I mean, in 2017, our students were about 49 percent female and 45 percent of uh, color. And you know, that's those are numbers that we really look at hard because we know in order to have a great tech community, we need to be inclusive of everybody who can step up to the table and can contribute. So you know, we're doing we're doing we've got programs under works where we can, we're working to always include more people um, in the, in our programs. And, you know, another thing is, you know, 99% of our people don't have a computer science degree or IT degree. You know, they're coming at this from, from a previous career. And it just goes to show that you can learn how to code from no matter where you come from. Well, in our previous segment, we talked to school psychologists and uh, artists and nonprofit employees. So yeah, it's, it's interesting the backgrounds that people bring into this new career field. Right, right, and you know we see um, we see we see a lot of different people. You know, we see musicians, we see artists, we see people that come from business backgrounds, and all of these all these backgrounds just contribute contribute to their on the job skills. Because you know, you get a typical computer science degree out of a university, and you know they know how to do computer science. Do they know how to do anything else? It's you know a lot of times employees employers find the added skills as a bonus of you know just extra abilities that the person has on the job. And what happens after Launch Code? Um, I know there's the apprenticeship program, for instance, and we heard from our students last segment about their plans and the different companies. But what does Launch Code do uh, once somebody's completed a course and they're looking for the next step? Then, right. So Launch Code, Launch Code is with them the entire way. We once they complete a course, you know, we, they still have a little bit of work to do. We um, we make sure that they have the technical skills that are ready to step into the job. So. They'll be, they'll be working on a project to be able to prove out their skills. They'll go through our interview and evaluation process. And once, once they get to that point, then we start connecting them with employers and you know, creating, finding the connections that work great for the employee as well as the employer themselves. 
All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining us uh, on, on Nothing Impossible and giving us an update on what's going on with Launch Code. And it was great to talk to some of the students. Yeah, no, thank you for having us. All right. Thank you, Mike. And thank you for joining us for this first hour of Nothing Impossible. We've got another hour coming up next. We'll talk about banking in the future. We'll get you into the Hyperloop and to Kansas City in about 25 minutes or less. And also new development in Cortex, the technology district that just keeps growing. It's all coming up uh, next hour as Nothing Impossible continues on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.